0: Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast, I'm your co-host Sinan, and I'm Jamie, and I'm Ben, and we are definitely not in a rush because we do not have a hard deadline to record this by. Um, (laughs) God damn it. So, you two, have you you ever looked at the southeastern border of Turkey, particularly with Syria? Um, I might have glanced at it
1: occasionally,
0: I don't know. Yeah,
2: I've had some looks at it, I don't necessarily like what I see either.
0: Okay, so, like, have you noticed that, like, it's mostly, like... You know, like, the classic, like, Balfour... Not Balfour Declaration, fucking Sykes-Picot agreement lines. You know how it's, like, straight lines everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, you you notice how, like, the Turkey-Syria border is mostly... Mostly kind of, like, a normal sort of... Along a parallel kind of line. A little bit of sort of accounting for mountains and stuff because, you know, Turkey got to... Tell France where the line was to an extent, but you ever notice that there's like this little bit that juts into what looks like you know what looks like it should be in Syria. Yeah, it's just that little bit that just like goes into Syria. I don't, I don't know. You can't see what hand motion I'm making, but it's really uncomfortable. I should stop doing it. <laughs> um, but that is basically the region we're going to be talking about today. So it's a little province of Turkey called Hatay. Oh, which. Yeah, we <laughs> talked a little bit about it last time. Actually, we were setting we were setting the scene in Hatay about how it you know became independent, and boy, would you look at that! Its president and prime minister were members of the Turkish Parliament.
2: <laughs> as as happens, as happens all the time.
0: Yeah, it, it really, really does happen. This is completely normal, by the way. And you know how their flag is basically a Turkish flag, except the star is hollow. Hmm. Almost as if something was yearning
2: to be completed.
0: Yeah, interesting imagery. It's it almost looks like what like a satirist would do to the Turkish flag, actually, like just hollow out the crescent moon and star. But, <laughs> but this is this is sort of our big case study for like all of the İsmet İnönü stuff in World War II. Sort of İsmet İnönü's first stint in charge, because he has a second stint in charge. So he goes from 1938 to 1950, and then he becomes prime minister in 1961. <clears throat> Which, I don't know what it is about Turkey, but political careers seem to never end there. <laughs> yeah. they just They just never fucking end.
2: I keep describing him as Turkish de Valera, and it's precisely because of the extreme length of his political career.
0: It is extreme, because remember, he first becomes Prime Minister in 1923, has a brief one-year break, comes back... Prime Minister until 1937, mm. has a brief one-year break, becomes President. I'm glad he's taking the, the,
2: the one-year breaks. You know, you really got to take care of yourself, man. Yeah, you, yourself really, care in, you, know?
0: you really have to take self-care by go taking some and time then, off um, every half day, every 15 years or so. Yeah, <laughs> like, and a
1: shout-out shout to the union that won him those breaks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, uh, the Republican People's Party Unite branch. They're really coming up strong for him. Um, but, but, actually, no, that is the thing. We probably will have to talk about trade unions in Turkey. In a long, long, long way. Um, but. But. We're going to talk about Hatai. Because, as we said last time, Isma Inonu has a bunch of problems about, you know, being the leader of the country, considering he was handpicked by the man before. And the man who picked him is dead. So, like, wh- what's keeping you there, buddy? What's What's stopping someone else from just being like, actually, I might be the leader of the country? And we said that one, he needs to build legitimacy, right? He needs to find his legitimacy, and one of the ways he did that was through cult of personality shit, right? You know, he yeah. had the honorific Milishev, national chief. Now, part of having a cult of personality, in a, a political cult of personality, is that you you need to like you need to do stuff, basically. You need to actually have something about you, right? Yeah. You can't just be. The, the last guy's chosen successor. Because doesn't I mean, really work.
1: You mm. say that, but inexplicably, Keir Starmer has a cult of personality around him, despite not having a personality. Yeah. Just, this keeps we, happening. It's the same with Hillary the, Clinton.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would argue that those are more like cults of particular modes of doing politics. Some might call it being a cult of the sensible in a YouTube video. Someone might have called it that. But Anyway, (laughs) just plugging the YouTube (laughs) video where I explain exactly why this is a fucking thing. Because basically my YouTube videos are what's driven me mental three months ago.
1: Mm. And then I have to remember, (laughs) like,
0: what's driven me mental about it and write them out. Because today, now, today I was doing my job competently, which is true. But over my lunch break, perhaps, I wrote the entire, basically the entire, like, 4,000 word script for this video. So... Uh, also, thanks to Mick Wright for reading that and saying it was good. Uh, really, using my uni education there by writing stuff at the last possible second and in large volume.
2: Yes, you, you got to do it about like three hours before the deadline. Otherwise, you're not really yeah. trying. I
1: can't.
0: That's when your brain. That's when your brain works the best. <clears throat> that's the thing. I can't concentrate on something unless it's urgent. And. Yeah. I, I, I, I tell you something funny. My therapist described it as like self-induced ADHD. What I, <laughs> he's like i del- like, he's, he's like it's very clear you don't have it, but also you really are doing it to yourself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think it should just be diagnosed as Turk brain. It's constant uh, firefighting.
0: I've I've seen I've seen some pretty spectacular examples of Turk brain on the timeline recently, mm. and uh, I won't be I won't be elaborating. But yeah. Yeah, it is. It is basically just like, unless it's an emergency, I will not fucking deal with it. So, but he needs he needs some kind of achievement. Now, one of the achievements he wants to have is not entering, you know, not picking a side. At this point, it's not picking a side between Ally and Axis until the last possible second, because ismain Inonu really doesn't want to go to war. Despite having
2: something of a, a, a sort of ideological preference for one over the other at some point.
0: Yeah, it, <clears throat> and part of that preference is pressure exerted on him, and part of it's because that's where his power base is. Remember, Atatürk was like King Lib, right? Mm. He wanted to do the capitalism stuff, that's why he replaced Isma Inonu with Jalal bayer Well, he wanted to do liberal applications of capitalism. But Isma Inonu was more of the... No... That, that didn't work before, so let's not do it. Uh, which, But Atatürk's power base in the party came from the statists more than from the liberals at various points, so he had to do statism. Mm. Which, you know, some might say that was unfortunate for him, but the same goes for İsmet İnönü, right? He has a power base. In fact, we're going to describe the power base in a little bit. But I want like you two i'm gonna ask you a question again because it's something that occurred to me when i was researching like do you have any read on where the what the word hatai might mean or where it might come from
2: no no
0: no i didn't think so but like i thought i'd just i thought i'd ask because i i looked at the word right and i'm like i've never thought about it before because it's just like in my head it's Hattai it's a place it's Hattai. what could it possibly mean it's like it's like asking what reading means no one gives a shit right like yeah. it's just a place name we know what you know it's it's reading means of a place the boring place where i'm from it's really sad i think that's how most people remember it in the uk it's where sinan's from that's that's how they remember it not it's where ricky gervais is from hopefully <laughs> um oh it, it gets worse because chris tarrant and jeremy kyle are from there as oh, well Oh wow yeah, we really fucking produced some specimens back in my hometown. But I, I decided to look into it. I was like, because usually, so usually provinces in Turkey, they're, they're named after their, um, you know, the largest city or the yeah. administrative capital, but it's usually the largest city. So like Istanbul is the capital of Istanbul province. You know, Izmir province, Ankara province, Kutahia province, if you like. But Hatay is not a place in Hatay. Like there is no city or town called Hatay. There's Antakya and Iskenderun. You know, those are your two sort of big places. There, Iskenderun is uh, it's, by the way, it's an Alexandria. It's one of the Alexandrias. Ah, so it's see. um, it's uh, it's one of our. Ale- it was literally founded by Alexander the Great. So that that's Iskender means Alexander. If you were wondering. So I decided to look into it, and I was like, Would you would you believe that we? I found the culprit. I figured out what it is. It's sun language theory. Oh, nice. boy. I I found the culprit. Because the name Hattai was actually applied to the reach. So, so, bit of a bit of a throwback to the last episode. Hattai, at the time, was a sort of special administrative region within the Mandate of Syria called the Sanjak of Alexandretta. So, Alexandretta is Iskenderan, right? Yeah. There you go. So... Turkey needs to justify. Basically, Turkey has this long-standing thing called the issue of Hatay. There's also the Mosul issue, but the Mosul issue is put to bed by the Treaty of Sadabad and the fact that the Brits are not going to give away an oil-rich territory from one of its mandate territories. Yeah. Shocking twist. Hatay does not have very much oil in it, and also Turkey really emphasised a position of we Hatay should be part of Turkey. One because it has a plurality Turkish population, while the Mosul area didn't. Like Mosul area's plurality population at the time was probably Kurdish, uh-huh. and there, and also like, given given difficulties described in previous episodes on that issue for the Turkish nationalists, they were not keen on adding to the pile because it, it it becomes a bit of a becomes a bit of a sort of morbid task. Given some of the stuff that they did, but listen to the earlier episodes, uh, particularly on the Republic of Ararat, to hear about yeah. that and uh, how Utter um, how Turk's adopted daughter uh, bombed civilians.
2: Oh, Jesus, yeah. Girlboss. Yeah.
0: Girl boss, yeah. Possibly the first girl boss, actually, definitely the first combat girl boss in an airplane. Yeah. That we know for a fact. There were a lot of aviation firsts in that episode, if I recall. Yeah, some, some of them not so
2: good, we must say. That's yeah. true,
0: yeah. Um, but one of the things is that they need a Turkish name for this. And they need a Turkish name for this region that fits into the new nationalism, right? Because Iskenderun or Antakya, yeah, old. They're old places, old names, you know, very Ottoman, you know. Yeah,
2: and then they sound very much like what the preceding Byzantines and Crusader states called them in the first place.
0: Mmm. Right? Again, like, that's that's a common thing, right? There's hmm. Kayseri, which was Kaisaria. Go figure, right? Iconium became Konya. A shout-out to my granddad from Konya. Well, not from the actual city. He lived in, like, the mountains somewhere. But, anyway, hmm. we'll talk about my granddad in the 50s, because he was a tailor, and a lot of his customers were high-ranking politicians. So, boy, do I have the goss. <laughs> um, from my granddad. <laughs> if you want to know who was cheating on who, and with who, I got I got all the deets. In fact, I'm gonna call him uh, probably this weekend. Actually, because he's he is 91 years old. I should probably give him a call.
2: I like finding out that your granddad was one of the unlockable starting locations in a Hitman level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my granddad meeting H. My granddad is bald. So like, <laughs> yes. maybe he was aged 47. I have to ask Although I've seen pictures of him when he's young and he has like the, the like thick hair thick kind of that's not long because obviously you can have it long back then, but like the thick he had it about as long as you could acceptably have it back then
1: nice. and I was
0: like, ha huh, I sure hope I don't end up like that <laughs> looking at my incredibly bald granddad but anyway we got we got stuff for that now these days but but the name hatai is meant to refer to basically meant to invoke the image of the hittites
2: ah oh, crazy of course
0: yeah it's you see it's actually much clearer once i say it right hattai yeah. now in in in Makes um sense. in obviously look I, I i fell into a youtube hole recently you know those like really awkward people who are really into the bronze age yeah uh, but and all of their like youtube Thumbnails are like weirdly caricaturey drawings of Bronze Age people. That I think it's just an unfortunate art style that makes them look racist, but <laughs> they do. But they do look a bit caricature. and I sort of like left it on autoplay and ended up on one of these. And I think that like old Indo-Europeany term for Hatti, or like one of the like local languages term for term not for Hatti but for Hittites, was Hatti. And I'm like, ah, now suddenly a lot of this is making a lot more sense, actually. So... Don't don't tell me you've you've proved some language theory. No, no, no, no, no. because (laughs) imagine if I was the guy who proved that correct. (laughs) Imagine how embarrassing that would be for this podcast in particular to
2: prove... Oh, boy.
0: That Serbian guy will be delighted. He'll be like, yes, we were never conquered. It's all Turks and Serbians getting incredibly positive Balkan YouTube comments for once. Yeah, oh god, I, I, I just retweeted a really good Balkan YouTube comment that I will not repeat on the podcast. Oh no. no. <laughs> it doesn't have slurs in it, but also I just won't say it. Uh, so so Hattai, of course, it, it's I, I, I knew there was something up with it and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it turns out it's exactly as insane as I thought. It comes from the Hittites. And also, uh, like, to be clear, like, that specific region, that sort of Assyria-Turkey region, was it's not just where the... It's where a Neo-Hittite empire also existed after the Bronze Age. Oh. So it's actually very Hittite. And this is why my dad, on Age of Empires, would always play the Hittites. Because <laughs> there weren't Turks in it, but he would play the Hittites.
2: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my my dad is... My dad is, like... has surprisingly good politics for a man of his age in a lot of ways but also he um he thinks hittites are turks so i also just enjoy that your dad is apparently a gamer yeah my dad like really enjoys playing history strategy games but not (laughs) crusader kings he really doesn't like that he likes the real-time strategy ones that are like lots of units on the map and shit there was one he played that was like just spartans which led to him explaining to me where the the, where the the the city in Turkey called Isparta is really called Sparta. <laughs> like, <'cause, laughs> I think my my dad loved winding I think he was winding me up with that one, but I do think he sincerely believes Hittite's attacks. So <laughs> well, yeah. does that city in Turkey
1: have a, a giant well in the middle of it with like fucking a guy at the bottom? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man right um so we need to just remember a couple things about Hatay before we go forward so Hatay is at the time an extremely diverse area right has a plurality of turkish people but turkish people make up about 39 percent, according to the french this french census data of the population in the sanjak of alexandretta so plurality but not a majority right yeah, yeah. now now, it was given special status within Syria, because basically the idea was we need to placate both the mandate government in Syria, from the French perspective. They need to placate their mandate government, who they had a agreement with. And the agreement was basically that France would never allow Syria's territory to be divided as long as it was a mandate. Huh. And you got to remember at the time, it's what's now Syria, uh, Alexandretta Hatay, and Lebanon. Yeah. So you might imagine that there were problems actually
2: mm, a few at least yeah
0: yeah but it was given special status basically to placate Turkey because one Turkey had quite badly beaten the French in the independence war on that front and two like Turkey's position was oh we don't trust the mandate government to respect the you know rights of the turkish minority so they need to be able to have special you know administrative privileges and such you, you know you, you, basically what russia does in a lot of places now mm. you know kind kind of kind of a similar vibe now i just want to say at the top of this because we're going to talk about like how people voted in referendums and stuff i have no reason to believe that people vote along ethnic lines right mm. yeah i have no i'm not saying that if you're turkish you vote a certain way if you're you know uh uh, Sunni Arab you vote a certain way if you're an Alawi you vote a certain way or Kurd you vote a certain way I am not saying that people did that mm. because I'm not a dickhead as I say in the notes <laughs> but what I am saying and what I will point out is that in elections to the to the, I think it was a Syrian parliament um, sorry my laptop just sent a notification to me but in, in the elections to the Syrian parliament while Alexandretta was still in Syria they returned MPs who were in favour of Syrian independence from France, not Hattai joining Turkey. Yeah. Which, to me, implies that there was some... It might have been close, right? But implies that there was a preference among the voting population in a particular direction that wasn't joining Turkey. Yeah. And so... I mean, Turkey, you say it
1: might have been close. It might have been like 52, 48. It oh, might yeah. have
0: been it might have been I don't know um, I don't think it was That's to be honest. <laughs> oh God it's yeah the cast ratios um oh let me see if I can find the Hattai referendum result I know what the Hattai referendum result was because it was insane but it was it was a pretty it was a pretty wild uh, referendum result but but basically, this issue of hatay it's turkey's able to force the issue because of a couple things right uh one is that nazi germany completely detonated the norms of interwar europe by you know the anschluss with austria and annexing the sudetenland right so now so now it turns out you can peacefully annex places europeans are in fact willing to allow you to you know on the basis of ethnicity and self determination type arguments say well you know maybe it should be part of the country right and also because the french shit the bed during the phony war quite badly oh, yeah. you know yeah the, the the french really did not do well at any stage of world war ii like un- until free france really like got its shit together yeah, and even then, well <laughs> Well I mean fair play, you know, the resistance did the resistance did really well given the circumstances. This is true. But, yeah. but the actual military kinda of sh- shat the bed quite badly. And Vaphony War was quite a big pants shitting on the part of the French because they actually made quite a bit of progress and then just went, Nah, I think we're gonna go back to the border <laughs> yeah. Which is an incredible decision. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not gonna relitigate whether France could have, you know, won the phony war or not. But anyway that that's just sort of the context of why Turkey feels able to push it. The Allies feel like losers at this point. Mm-hmm. Primarily the French fault, admittedly. But nonetheless they feel like losers. So yeah, just to establish a timeline here, so the the annexation of
2: Hatay by Turkey happened after the fall of France, right?
0: um so the annexation of Hatay by Turkey was in twenty on the twenty third of July nineteen thirty nine. All
2: right. Okay. So prior to the fall of France, but y- yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So the um yeah, basically the thing that happens is that. Oh man, I need to find this referendum result. I cannot find this referendum result. But in any case, it's not really the main thing. the re- The result is that half <laughs> voted for independence, but but the main thing is that France is not doing well generally yeah. diplomatically. Neither of the allies, and basically, Turkey takes this issue to the League of Nations, right? Because they're like, hey, look, um. Hey, look, you know, this is a troublesome region that is, uh, you know, that is having communal rights. Because remember, when they um, elected these sort of Syrian independence MPs to the Syrian parliament, it caused communal riots. Because, and we'll probably get to this in the modern era, whenever Turkish people are on the losing side of an election, there is usually some kind of fight that happens afterwards. And it happens surprisingly often, actually. Now, admittedly, I'm exaggerating for effect, but in this case, there were communal riots because the Turkish people were like, but we are the plurality, therefore we get all the MPs. Which doesn't actually make sense. No. Really, does it? But okay, <laughs> all right. They they got mad about it. Now, admittedly, there was definitely some deliberate provocation Turkey sending in people to wind people up. and Tur- And the Turkish press didn't help because the Turkish press were like, really winding people up about it. But Nation of shit posters. I mean, in a way, yes. Um just it's just not like uh, especially with BAP actually. BAP was a real shit posting <laughs> move.
2: I'm just imagining the Turkish resistance, a bunch of divorced guys in leather jackets hanging around with tie <laughs> causing problems.
0: Oh god <laughs> the the divorced guys in leather jackets. I mean aside from the divorce would just be me and my dad. because me and my dad both wear leather (laughs) jackets anyway um, so basically they take it to the League of Nations and Turkey's like hey would you look at this troublesome region why we have prepared a constitution for it that might be a that might be a fair compromise that everyone enjoys and basically the constitution is kind of a long winding piece of shit in a lot of ways but basically the point is that Hatta'i is distinct, but not separate from Syria. So, ba- and it's, basically, its military affairs are run by Turkey and France. Mm. Which, again, I will note, is complicated, given France is a belligerent in World War II, and Turkey isn't. Yeah. So, was Hattai at war with Nazi Germany? Or was it non-aligned, neutral? This is a good question it's a really interesting question but we won't bother answering it because it doesn't matter because no. <laughs> no one was invading Hattai. No. The Germans were not planning to land on the Hattai coast or not neither were the Italians thankfully because that's the only way this could have been more of a shit show is if the Italians showed up. But the, the the Sanjak itself has an assembly of its own and the the Sanjak decides, hey, uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna reform ourselves into the Hatai State. Or Hattai Devleti, or if you if you like the French, Etat du Hattai. Which I don't I can't read Arabic, so I don't know. I don't know what the Arabic is. And you'll and again, we will note the flag of the country. <laughs> yeah. for, the, for, the, for those who those who care, the flag of the country will be going in the episode notes. Uh yeah. Uh, well, isn't isn't that interesting? Isn't that an interesting <laughs> flag that they've <laughs> adopted? Also, interestingly, the national anthem is the Marşı, the same as Turkey. Wow. Ah, isn't that interesting? And Turkish is the official language of the country and French is the second official language. But Arabic is not given official status. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Mm. What's it's going on there?
2: You're pretty unoriginal there, guys, with your statecraft, i got to say.
0: Yeah, what is going on there? And, uh, and, well, okay, the rest of it, its currency is the Turkish lira, which, I mean, if you wanted, like, signs of where this state intended to go, like, there you go. But, and also, as I mentioned, the President and Prime Minister were members of Turkey's parliament. I can understand why the non-Turkish population of the area might have felt like they were being cheated here. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, just a little bit cheated, right? Now now they form a a legislature, a people's assembly, right? When they sort of become independent. They they basically the the assembly declares independence. And the the Syrians get really fucking mad about it. And they and they hold uh they basically have a people's assembly. There are 40 members. 22 of the members are Turks. Huh. So I, yeah oof, wasn't that fascinating and for those interested in what the rest of it was it was nine Alawites, five Armenians two Orthodox Greeks and two Sunni Arabs
2: and a part of the territory I presume
0: uh, well yeah that's the uh, that's on the uh, sort of seal, the state seal <laughs> of Hattire, <laughs> I should think but but just so you know how fucking rigged this was right and they eventually have a referendum right they have a referendum, and well, the state calls a referendum, and basically, this is all allowed to happen. All of these progressions in this shit housery is allowed to happen, because remember, in where Turkey ends up in World War Two, right? It ends up between Axis Europe, Soviet Caucasus, and Allied Middle East, right? Yeah. Like Turkey can cause a problem, Well, if it if it gets lucky, it can cause a problem. For any one of these, if it so chooses, right? Chose not to, for a lot of reasons. And for Britain and France, like, Turkey entering World War II on the side of the Allies was impossible for so, so many reasons. <laughs> unless it was attacked first, which it wasn't going to be. Mm-hmm. But, But unless it was. But America really wanted Turkey to join in World War II. They really wanted Turkey to open a front in the Balkans because America really bought into this idea of the Balkans as the soft underbelly. When it turned out, the soft underbelly was Italy. Yeah. Which, I mean, who could have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> who, could, who could have fucking guessed that Italy would be the soft underbelly in Europe? But I digress. The The French and the British have this position, which is Turkey being neutral is good. It's good for us because one, it means that Turkey is not attacking our Middle Eastern or Caucasus holdings in the case of the Soviets when the Soviets eventually get attacked. Uh, they're not, they're not, because Turkey is right next to the oil rich regions. You know, you've got Azerbaijan's oil, Iraq's oil, Syria has oil. <coughs> Obviously, mandates extend further south. I mean, who's to say Turkey stops there? Yeah. You know?
2: But, well, something I am curious about is like, because Iran got partitioned basically, during the Second World War. Was there ever a fear of that happening in Turkey?
0: Mm, uh, yes, actually. There was... Right, so one of the reasons Turkey was super resistant to joining World War Two after Barbarossa, and after the Soviet Union were officially an Allied power, because remember, they did Molotov-Ribbentrop and all this other shithousery stuff mm. that, uh, that no one is proud of, I hope. But anyway, they, they do all this, Part of the reason Turkey was really resistant to joining the Allies was that it was heavily suggested that Soviet troops would be able to transit through Turkey. Uh-huh. And Turkey did not want Soviet troops in its territory under any circumstances. Gotcha. But you can't exactly say no once you're an ally power. yeah. Right. Because it it looks because then, you know, Stalin's paranoid. He'll be like, he'll take offense at it and then maybe he sends troops in anyway. And then what are you going to do? Right. It it becomes a whole other problem. And remember, Turkey had problems with the Soviet Union over remilitarizing the Straits. Like Turkey's relationship with the Soviet Union got really sour, really, uh, particularly after it signed the Treaty of Friendship with the Germans, which it would. It would do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely do it. And this is kind of going to be in the next episode in detail, where we do just sort of like we're just going to cover general World War Two stuff. But yeah, Turkey definitely had sort of a reasonable fear that the Soviets very much would have enjoyed having a puppet government in in Turkey, either either a partition or puppet government. And they they really they, there wasn't like a specific paranoia about partition, but there was a paranoia about foreign involvement in turkey which joining the war would have almost certainly meant
2: yeah
0: because you got to remember the core of the Kemalist politics stated core of the Kemalist politics is we want to you know we want to determine our own destiny as a nation
2: yeah and
0: neutral and neutrality is seen as a means to that end in a lot of ways yeah. and and here you can see like turkey weaponizing neutrality right because Britain and France think Turkey being neutral is great because there's sort of a, what I call institutional memory, particularly in Ismet Inonu's power base in the military, of being friendly with Germans. You've got to remember, like, the military cause of the Ottoman Empire and German Empire in relation to Nazi Germany and Turkey, all, there's a lot of continuity there. And yeah. so a lot of these people are just people who know each other. Yeah. And and you know that that's a surprisingly powerful draw to to sort of side with people is is is they a mate and you know him. Admittedly, Mustafa Kemal himself had, as we described, had problems with German military officers, fa- famously slagging off all of the German sort of all of the Prussian uh, generals and the emperor in front of the emperor <laughs> <laughs> when he was uh, when he was doing his sort of attaché shit towards the end of the war. Um, or well, was it attache shit? I think it was at one point he was doing attache stuff and he was just, like, slagging them off.
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: But yeah, Isma Inonu sort of... Is is more a creature of the army itself rather than connections with other people. So much. And so he's like, oh, I don't know, my army, they're the ones with all the guns and they're saying Germany. In fact, yeah. some of them say Germany quite a bit too much <laughs> and uh, we'll do a bonus episode on it probably next time. Because... After, I believe it's after the Soviet victory at Stalingrad, the Soviets put a lot of pressure on Turkey to deal with this Nazi element in its military. And so a person who will be a recurring character later gets court-martialed for being too racist. Oh, boy. Yeah, in 1940s Turkey. And admittedly, it was a show trial and all this shit. But we will probably talk about that in a bonus episode at some point. Because that's wild to me.
2: Yeah, oh, that inevitably has to be talked about because it is crazy.
0: Yeah, again, the most relaxed, normal country that's ever existed. <laughs> uh, but, but the referendum itself. Um, so, so like, referendum mm. is straight up like, do you want to join Turkey? Yes or no? Mm. Right? Yes, no referendum. of The kinds I kind I hear the Scottish are very fond of. <laughs> they they do enjoy a yes no referendum. And they basically, the demographics are assumed to have not changed very much (laughs) since the 1936 French census, right? Yeah. So if we were doing the horrible assumption where people vote purely along ethnic lines for a lot of different reasons, you would expect probably joining Turkey to get about 39% of the vote and not win. Yeah they win, like, by quite some margin as well. Huh. So, a couple of things could have happened here that I don't think happened. So, one is that the various other ethnic groups in Hatay went, you know what, the Republic of Turkey, having observed it for the first uh, uh, first 15 years of of its existence, it's a country that respects diversity among its people... (laughs) And we will vote to join it because it's better than being ruled by the French. Mm. Okay, I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure that's what happened. Uh, The other thing that I think didn't happen is that this vote happened entirely fairly and it was just residents of Hattai voting. Mm. Or at least long-term residents of Hattai voting. I happen to think that it was probably rigged. With quite strong approval from France, because France, remember, France is uh, in 1938. This is France, so this is post Phoney War. France feels like it's losing ground. The Allies feel like they're not really able to get a grip on this whole Nazi Germany thing. By this, they already feel like they're losing control of it. Britain's effectively an observer, a passive observer, because we're we're dealing with Mister Peace in our time. Oh boy. Still, it's, it's 38. We're still dealing with Mr. Peace in our time. And France is like, if we let them put the thumb on the scale, maybe they won't join the Axis. Yeah.
2: So just another front in appeasement, pretty much.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, this is absolutely a part of appeasement, right? This is. Now, it happened to be the case that Turkey did stop mm. for a mainly because the war actually kicked off all around them and Ismail yeah. who couldn't you know force any of these issues without doing the thing he doesn't want to do so he kind of has to sit there and he sort of is relatively pleased to have added hatai to the country because it's like look i am i am ex- i am protecting the extended homeland of the turkish people you know I, I have done I have done my duty as the national chief. I am extending our protection to all Turkish people during this turbulent time. Look at me, aren't I great? Incidentally we're gonna do preemptive scorched earth in case the Germans invade and oh, we're God, gonna God. have to ration food. Great. Which, yeah. Again, it's a separate episode, but he does he does do that. But mm. so I I got like I I wanna Hmm, let me think about how to phrase this. There's a series of events in sort of pre-Civil War America that happened that I think is somewhat similar to this. So do you two know what Bleeding Kansas is? No, actually, no. I, um... Oh, God,
1: I think I've had it explained to me once, but I've forgotten. I've definitely heard the name before, though.
0: Yeah, Bleeding Kansas is basically... Before the oh, American Civil War, was it, was it War. something
1: to do? Was it something to do with like a referendum or something on like, uh, on slavery or something like that? That
0: yes, in Kansas. And
1: then, yeah, and then people like
0: just got rowdy about it or something. Yeah, it was like a seven-year-long rowdiness. But basically, yeah. yeah, basically, America does this whole Missouri Compromise thing, and they keep trying to add one free state for every slave state because of the Senate, which incidentally makes the Senate seem like a really fucking stupid idea. But any. It... Anyway, let's, let's not get into that. But basically what happens is they decide, hey, you know, why don't we let states decide, you know, states' rights and all that? Why don't we let them decide whether to be free or slave states? Now, I generally would not trust Americans with that decision. Bunch but... of fucking idiots running that country, like. Yeah. Now <laughs> and forever. Yeah. But the thing is, they never, they never set, like, a residency, you know, a length of residency requirement or anything like that, because it was America, you know? Yeah. That... So... What happens is a bunch of really, like, ideological people, and I want you to imagine the kind of person who does this on both sides, who are both pro-slavery and anti-slavery, decide to up sticks and move to Kansas in order to specifically vote in this referendum. Oh, boy. I want you to imagine how, the kind of person who does that, right? Now imagine yeah. all of I those kinds... I Matt Walsh. <laughs> now picture all of that kind of person on opposing sides in the same place while this referendum is going to happen
1: yeah oh it's a recipe for fun
0: oh yeah like people beat the shit out of each other for 7 years in kansas Christ. it was and, and to be fair the, in- the like wounded numbers are really in- funny for like a 7 year long basically statewide brawl cuz it's like 33 people injured on both sides <laughs> <laughs> which I mean I guess it was sparsely populated it's hard to compare it to now right I imagine there weren't like huge population centers and centers in Kansas right?
2: you got to imagine them all just being the kind of manly man that just doesn't go to the doctor or whatever so it never gets yeah. recorded I'm just so going like, it off. No, They all, they all, <laughs> my... just,
1: they all just, took turns one v one, like, like Tekken.
0: <laughs> oh yes, he's like my tooth broken, it got gangrene, but I'll be damned if I'm counted in the casualties for bleeding Kansas. <laughs> but yeah, but was this
1: the... um was this something to do with why, like, is it it is Kansas City that's in like two states <clears throat> now, isn't it? Kansas City's
0: in Missouri. What? Uh,
1: there's,
2: yeah.
0: There's there's like it's there's two, isn't there? Uh, it might be the case. I'm not. I, I know Kansas City, like the NFL team Kansas City, is in Missouri and in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, Kansas City is the largest city in Missouri by population and area. For oh, fuck's sake, man! And in fact, there are two Kansas Cities because they couldn't. Basically, they couldn't agree on the state line, so there is a <laughs> Kansas City, Kansas as well. Yeah. <laughs> There is also a place called Independence in Kansas City, which I find pretty funny. I think that's where the Mormons lived, actually. I was we were doing that on the stream. We were do- we ended up diving into Mormon law, oh,
2: which I have
0: to say, it's
2: not crazy shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, you think this podcast is wild, listeners? I mean, you ain't seen nothing till you deal with the um, deal with the Mormons. But <laughs> but basically, this referendum is probably rigged and we have pretty credible accusations of Turkey deliberately sending people into Hatay to vote and rabble rouse and cause problems. So, Turkey basically did Bleeding Kansas to itself. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, America also did Bleeding Kansas to itself. (laughs) America, like, Like, yeah. yeah, It's not like America had Bleeding Kansas imposed on it by Canada or something. Like, (laughs) it did also do it to itself, but Turkey just sort of without any serious internal dispute, managed to do Bleeding Kansas to both itself and Syria.
2: Oh, wow.
0: And France, technically, as well. So really, it got three countries for the price of one.
1: Well, I'm going to go out and it France had it coming.
0: Well, I mean, what the fuck are they doing in Syria in the first place? Yeah. but I th- It's a good question. It's a good question. Not a question for this podcast. But... So basically, so this referendum passes, everyone gets really mad. So um, here we actually have pictures of a women-led demonstration against um, against the independence of the state of Hatay and then the eventual annexation by Turkey. So here's a women-led protest. The video is loading. There you go. There it is. In uh, 1939 in, um, in Damascus. People are pissed about it. And the sign, the Arabic sign reads, our blood is sacrificed for the Syrian Arab Sanjak. Uh. So people are big mad about this, right? This is a controversy to say the least. I I
2: also see one saying, vive la France.
0: Yeah, well, they weren't all good. Uh. Um, (laughs) But anyway, uh, and to be fair, this issue causes such a problem that the Mandate Government's leader, um, Hashim al-Atassi, who was the president of the Syrian Republic Mandate government, just resigned. He was like, you are allowing my territory to be annexed, even though you said you wouldn't allow my territory to be annexed. It's very much that peep show bit where it's like, Hitler promised not to invade Czechoslovakia. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> like, How could it's... you
1: give your own nation the spicy annex?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so... Basically, uh, the Grand National Assembly of Parliament in Turkey approves the law, establishing Hattai. So Hattai applies to join. So there is a legal process, by the way, to join Turkey. Yeah. An established legal process for territories to join Turkey. That I think hasn't been removed or changed. But they applied to the parliament to join the parliament, passed the law, and they basically dismantled the French mandate government, told them all to fuck off, and then they uh, they came in and took uh, took. Hatay. Now, you will note, as I sort of said last time, that the eleven percent of the population here were Armenians. uh thirty-eight ten oh, percent were Sunni Arabs, twenty eight percent were Alawis. All of these people, particularly the Armenians, really, really, really did not want to be under Turkish rule. Yeah. Like I having one, the Armenians had quite recent historical reasons not to want it.
2: Yes.
0: especially given that a lot of the Armenians who lived in Hatai, and I want people to listen carefully because this is how fucked up this is, a lot of the Armenians who lived in Hatai were Armenians who were marched through the desert by Ottomans to their death mm. and yeah, were yeah. survivors of that so this is fucked up it, and it's certainly not good No, yeah they, they understandably decide fuck this shit we're leaving the, the Armenians in particular, and in fact, the Armenians... Um, they go to... A lot of them go to Aleppo and Lebanon. And I believe there's a town that was founded by them, actually, in, in Lebanon. Where, uh, so that's where that town comes from. I've completely blanked on the name of it. But yeah, the entire Armenian population of Huttai just went, Nope, not doing it again. See ya. Mm. Turkey did extend did extend an offer to the people of Hatay when they annexed it which was hey look you know we're not we understand that you might not be happy so you know you can be turkish citizens if you want right but obviously being a turkish citizen and having observed what turkey did to non turkish turkish citizens you know yeah basically the offer is you can assimilate to the culture that we want you to assimilate to or, you can get the fuck out of here.
2: Yeah.
0: And and leave, in quotes, freely. A lot of them just up sticks and left. Yeah. Turkey once again doing a population uh, deportation, yet again, done itself, basically done another genocide in another region.
2: Fucking hell, man.
0: Yeah and once again it's done it again and turkey reorganizes the thing but this is a this is a big win for ismet eno not the genocide itself is sort of like a natural result of policy and historic policy but the annexation of hatay itself is a big win because one it shows turkey's a big di- big diplomatic boy it's a big boy yeah. you know it can, it can, it can defeat the mighty France in the diplomacy dojo.
1: Yeah, right, well, but... I mean, the grown-ups are back in charge. Oh, that's... Boy.
0: oh no. But yeah, but yeah, they're a big boy. They can, they can tussle with the best of them, aka France. Notice they didn't, <laughs> they didn't go after Mosul, which was a British mandate in Iraq. Now, admittedly, that's because Tur- partially because Turkey had committed to Iraq's territorial integrity because they really, really did not want a Kurdistan appearing out of Iraq. Mm. Mm. Because, boy, does that undermine the core premise of your cultural genocide, if a Kurdistan suddenly appears. Yeah. Mm.
2: It's got that kind of, this is the last thing we wanted to happen energy about it.
0: And and it hasn't happened yet. Fingers crossed it will happen soon. Mm. But, but... It would be nice, yeah. Yeah, it would be nice. But the, but yeah, the the annexation of Hatay is a big success for him because one, you look like a big boy. You're a big grown up boy. Isma Inonu has once again switched off his hearing aid and told everyone what he wants. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The other thing is, do you remember that, um, the Misaki Mili, like the, um, the, the sort of national pact, the, the, the, the thing that the Ottoman parliament passed where they're like, these are our real borders. Don't, don't, don't, don't cross these lines and then they cross the lines and then modern turkey happened but yeah yeah this is kind of like it's seen as a big symbolic victory that like the masaki mili is like is is still a thing like this is still a valid national objective in some fashion like an achievable valid national objective it's not
2: no. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely it's, not.
0: <laughs> it's not, but and it's and for lots of practical reasons, it wasn't. But they're like, hey, look. So, so the fascists in the military are like, mm, that's pretty nice, actually. Good, yes, okay. Yes, yeah, so we can. We can. I can, you know. I can. imagine
2: that sort of calmed them down a bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it it lend it it lent a lot of legitimacy to being neutral mm. in the war, right? Because you can still achieve foreign policy objectives while being neutral. And armed neutrality is what Turkey did. So, which, to be honest, is the only kind of neutrality you can realistically do if you want to be left alone. So, Inonu at once placates part of his power base, looks really like legitimate big boy adult in the room. Mm. And he achieves this long-standing foreign policy objective that predated him being president. Because remember Mustafa Kemal talked a lot about Hattai. So Hattai is actually quite an integral part of the Nationalist Project and to then, to be able to integrate it into the Nationalist Project quite literally by annexing it you've you've justified, you know an achievement, there's an achievement there you can have a bit of cult of personality because the National Chief has done his job. Now, the National Chief shit is also assisted by various newspapers of like um uh, our national chief salutes the Nazi state headlines and stuff like that, I, or you know, um, there's one that's like uh, from one national chief to another, ismail Inonu salutes Mussolini. They did they did more Mussolini than Hitler, yeah. to be honest. I think I think it, Hitler was maybe a bit much for, for for them for reasons, but it does certainly have this a similar
2: connotation to to, to Duce and your oh, generalism, oh, oh, yeah. doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah, of course, like, that's... Remember when I was in sort of one of the earlier episodes, I was saying, like, there's types of government that existed in interwar Europe, but we... there's sort of one type we don't talk about, which is, like, this sort of non-aligned autocracy. Yeah. Because that was most of Europe. Like, like that was Turkey and Greece and, you know, Yugoslavia with its kingdom and uh, and Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland. Poland yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Poland had um, Pilsudski and then Muzitski, I think. And Lithuania had... Oh, God, what's his name? My partner's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> My <laughs> partner's going to kill me. Um... <laughs> oh, no, this is not good. <laughs> I don't, how do I forget the motherfucker's name? Hold on. Uh, Smetona. It was Smetona. I remembered. I remembered it was Smetona. <laughs> I remember because he has like this. This really he has like the he has like the interwar facial hair.
2: Oh yeah. I'll,
0: I'll show I'll show you what I mean. He has like the perfect interwar facial hair. He has like the goatee and the, you know, this. He also has like a double iron cross there. So, yeah. And by the way, yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a very Baltic vibe. But when I say like non-aligned, I don't mean like they're not. They don't have preferences, right? Because no. Turkey has a. Preference, institutional memory-induced preference, but also like it really depended on who was winning the war for Turkey, who they kind of lent towards, right? Like that was really what the game was for them. Whereas like Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, th- they had a they had a sort of particular feeling about <laughs> where they leaned and who they lent against. Let's say oh, yeah. Poland too, but Poland didn't really have much of a chance or choice. No, and yeah. But yeah, I don't mean non-aligned as in like they were perfectly neutral or impartial. They were impartial. I mean non-aligned like they weren't in the Allies or the Axis or the Common Comintern. Turn. Uh, Common Turn's in the Allies. Let's be real. But I'm, this is a Hearts of Iron Four uh, podcast. In case anyone's wondering, <laughs> that's, why, that's why that's happened. But
2: but yes, yeah, so they're also sort of ideologically non-aligned in the sense they weren't explicitly fascist or weren't weren't democratic either.
0: Yeah, a lot of them cracked down on fascists and democrats yeah. in various ways. Like a lot of and communists, of course. Like, look, we talked about the communist party's central committee getting murdered during the independence war mm. B- because that and who we reckon did that. And spoiler alert, it wasn't probably wasn't Stalin.
2: No. <laughs> like,
0: even though that is one of the three hypotheses that I found, <laughs> to be which... fair, theory
2: does have form in that department. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look—you can't be mad at people for assuming it was Uru Small Bean Stalin, but yeah, yeah. but he has mad previous. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't at that point. <laughs> that was in the 1920s. He hadn't done much purging at that point. But but yeah, so that's the that's the story of Hatai, and that's a bit more of the context, I guess, of how it happened. Uh, so we went from what the political build-up and Sun language theory to genocide again. Again. Yeah.
1: But... Look,
0: I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you all. This time period, you know, this sort of nineteen thirty-eight to nineteen fifty time period, there's a lot of it that goes on globally. Yeah. And these ones don't get spoken about in English language sources very much. So yeah. it's probably worth having an English language thing that talks about it. So it's not gonna be fun stuff, no. but it's gonna be necessary stuff. If you well, want the fun, we could, we could well,
1: try and make it fun like true crime podcasts do.
0: I resent true crime podcasts for yeah anyway, for a lot of reasons. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dignify that with a. To isn't
2: isn't the founding of a modern nation state basically a true crime though? When you think about it,
0: yeah, like the founding of nation states generally almost always results in genocides and cultural genocides and you know. Population exchanges and stuff. So yeah, these are all... This okay, is true.
1: This this technically can't be a true crime podcast because we're not hawking audiobooks at the start. We'll get there.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll eventually get there. <laughs> but what we will hawk is the bonus episodes because we're going to go off and record our bonus episode. This week yeah. it's on what I suspect is a money laundering front. <laughs> Dahir Inshat... What if a oh. Russian engineer had a lot of money and decided to found an engineering firm in Turkey?
1: Oh, I love a lot it. Of I money love
0: it. and and a like an unlicensed copy of 3D Studio Max. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I I guess we'll talk about that in the in the bonus, but yeah, if you want more of the the sort of lighter-hearted stuff, uh head on over to the Patreon where you can get all the bonus episodes. But for now, I'm going to I'm going to say bye. And we got yeah. to go record this bonus really quickly because I'm on the um, clock. Did we remember that Jordan did the music? Oh, we didn't do that. Uh, yeah, Jordan did the music. Bye, everyone. <laughs> yep. Bye, <Yeah>. everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs>